book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we, we read carefully, we explain. Hopefully, uh, your minister here will, will help you to make some sense of it. What does it mean for you in your life? Our text this morning will be verses 36 through 44. That's our passage. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44, now beginning with verse 36. Hear now the word of our God. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. And therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Thus far, reading God's holy, inspired, ineffable word. All flesh is its grass and its beauty as the flower of the field. The grass withers, its flower fades. But the word of our God, it endures forever. This is the word of God that was just read to you. By God's help, it will be preached. Please be seated. If you are paying very close attention uh, to this passage, uh, you'll see that uh, the very strict analogy between the end of a previous world mentioned here by our Lord Jesus, the end of the, of the world as Noah knew it, where the world was filled with violence. The Lord had regard for the sons of men fallen in Adam, and he looked and he saw that the, the thoughts of the hearts of men were, were only wicked in that continually. So bereft has our race become of righteousness that all of us may be included in that judgment there's none righteous among us. No, not one. And if God should look down from heaven and look upon all the sons of earth and gather them all in one place, he would have the same verdict. He would say, this race is spoiled. It's ruined for all the thoughts of the hearts of this generation and all generations proceeding from Adam is only notoriously wicked and continually so. But the Lord saw fit not to leave all of the world in that desperate, desperate situation. Noah found grace. That is to say that Noah received favor from the Lord. Noah, as his name implies, means rest. And the Lord said, now this one, Noah, this one will give the land, the world, rest. The world itself is implicated in the sin of Adam. 
The world and all creation groans by the sin of our father Adam. The world cries out for the blood that it drinks every day for the murdered innocent. Just as Noah found grace and deliverance in the ark that God provided, we have a similar Savior in Christ who is coming, and He will judge the world in righteousness, and He has set a day in which He will visit the earth and call every man, not just the who's alive at that day, but who has ever lived, all of the sons of Adam and even even Adam and Eve themselves before the bar of his holy throne. And there he will pronounce a judgment of life or a judgment of death and condemnation. A judgment of righteous standing and favor, just as Noah found favor, or a judgment of condemnation and sin because of remaining and reigning wickedness. Now, we don't have to go all the way back to the days of Noah. If you would just go back to where we started in the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see that the Lord has come to visit His people and provide redemption and salvation in a way that is very, very similar and reminiscent of the days of Noah. Because John was given as a messenger And he went to the Jordan preaching a message of repentance, saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, the Jews had gone very far astray. We would not have understood just how very far astray they had gone as a people, or the religion, how very far they had removed themselves from the word of God, the true meaning. Except that Jesus, all of his ministry, for three and a half years, sought to reform the understanding of the leaders and of the whole nation, regarding what the law is really requiring, what God is really requiring of his people by his law, and what God is really offering God's people by his free grace in the gospel. For the Jewish nation had departed from both. And the Jewish lawyers uh, lawyers and uh, Sadducees, Pharisees, the scribes, not only had they, been, had they departed from the truth of God's word, and you can't get any more basic, my friends, than law and gospel. That's the right division of the Word of God. Anyway, they had left us so far as to not even recognize what Jesus was saying was the very Word, and he was hoping to reform and inform and educate the nation back to the Word of God. They couldn't see it. And they were very angry at the Lord Jesus, and they considered him a marginal Jew and an errorist and an agitator, political agitator and a dangerous, dangerous man. Basically, they shut the door of the ark on themselves. This is what's happening. Jesus is concluding his ministry. He's already pronounced woes on the nation because the representative government of that nation in the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, were all set against the Lord and against his anointed. And that's in fulfillment of Psalm 2. It was to be the case where he was to come not only to purge the nation of its errors in destruction, but also to die for that nation as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist came, repent, preaching law, 
the kingdom of God is at hand. And behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Gospel. And Jesus preached the very same. He didn't deviate at all from the preaching of John the Baptist. But now having concluded all of his public ministry, Jesus is just about done completely. He's just about done. He's already pronounced the judgment on that generation. He is now preparing his church for what's coming up next. But what's coming up next is very reminiscent of what happened with Noah and what's happening here with the Jewish state. Very, very much similar. For as the nation of Israel was warned that God would send them a messenger and that the, the Lord, the Holy God, Jehovah, would suddenly come into his temple and that he would purify the sons of Levi. And John the Baptist was saying the same thing. His winnowing fork is in his hand. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Judgment has come upon this nation. So now, having received the reforms, this group of disciples is to carry forth this set of instructions, now minted purely according to the, the prophet himself, the Lord Jesus, and carry it to the uttermost parts of the world. But you know what? As that gospel goes out, the gospel needs to be kept clean. As that law goes out, it needs to be kept every jot and tittle. Everything must be held in place as from the, the mouth of Christ, the head of the church. And when he comes back, he's going to come back to judge the living and the dead as he did in his, uh, in his form here in the servant to correct his people, to speak to them, and also at the end of the age, finally, to give his rewards, to give his favor to those who truly have entered his ark and been delivered from this wicked, wicked age, this godless and violent age, and be brought into a state of, of grace, into the new heavens and the new earth by the body of Christ, by the union with Christ by faith in him in the Holy Spirit. We are precisely the same place as a church that the Jews were in listening to the Lord Jesus. And it pertains to us to stay awake in a manner that most of the Jews of Jesus' day were not able to do. Let me say this again. Having reformed the church of uh, most, most agreeably and most uh, beautifully to the, the very understanding of the Holy Spirit given by Christ in, in all ages. He is the major prophet. All, the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of prophecy in all the Old Testament. And now having delivered the truth as it is in himself, we are to keep it as such. And the Lord will judge his nation, the church along with every person that has ever lived according to the truth of his law and of his gospel. So we must stay awake because he comes, and he comes suddenly. He comes and he will, although he's already told us so much about some of the things, some of the parameters of his coming, you can guarantee that his coming will be as a surprise. He will come and we, you and I, we will be surprised. Now, we will not be so utterly surprised as, as to be shamed as the ungodly will, but he comes, and we must be ready. 
So the teaching here, and that's a long forward, I'm, I'm sure, but I wanted you to see the symmetry between Noah and the Jews of, uh, of Jesus' day, and then the symmetry between the Jews of Jesus' day and our own day. Uh, because uh, just as Jesus suddenly appeared at the, at the Jordan, announced by John the Baptist, well, now today the Lord has his messengers, his faithful ministers, announcing to you, you hearers today, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, and behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's all we have to say to you. The faithful minister will do that. But you must stay awake. You must conform yourself to that pattern of words that Jesus gave to his original apostles as recorded in the scriptures. And that is the task of the church. The teaching today is this. Only God the Father knows the very day of Jesus' second coming. And believers are given some, some insight into that day. And believers are cautioned, we're admonished, to be prepared. That's the teaching. Only God the Father knows the very day of Jesus' second coming. Believers are given some insight into that day and are cautioned to be prepared. Now, there's three points. This is a short sermon, believe it or not. The first point is that God the Father alone knows the time of Christ's return. The scripture says so plainly. No man knows that. No man then living knew that. No prophet of old, no prophet ordained of the apostles and in the Holy Spirit in the New Testament uh, knows of that day. Now, I, I, I write the second point is, I wonder, I, God the Holy Spirit is God. And the Father only knows and he, and he distinguishes the Son as not knowing. I wonder about the Spirit. I don't have time really to develop this question. It has me greatly, uh, it has my great attention. I have just put a question mark and an exclamation point in my notes. But since the Spirit, since the Spirit is the one who anoints Christ and empowers the man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus in his earthly ministry, and the Spirit is not about to reveal that, he's, he's just not going to, he's not going to carry that, he's not going to communicate that knowledge to Christ. But since the Spirit himself is God proceeding from the Father and the Son eternally, the Spirit is given by Christ, and Christ himself as a man, as a man he didn't know, but as the Son of God, and he knows all things. Now we're into real perplexity. Now we're into great mystery. We're into great mystery. When we read the Scriptures, you know, we're prone to think, oh, we're Reformed. We've got so many commentaries. We've been, we've been in a Reformed church now for 35 years. I don't think there's going to be anything new. We know all this stuff. Christ himself is as great, or I don't know how to compare mysteries. I really don't have any standard or, or, or canon of rule to compare mysteries to mysteries. But it seems to, be that, it seems to me that Christ is a greater mystery as the God-man, as Trinity is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I hope I'm not in error, and I hope I haven't, I haven't said anything disparaging to, to his majesty, the Lord. But not even the, the, the heavenly angels who peer into this Bible with great interest for millennia. Have they been searching the scriptures? And you know, don't you know they know the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic? Don't you know that? And they don't know. And they've studied these gospels and they don't know. The heavenly angels don't know. Certainly the demonic angels don't know. 
they knew that when Jesus appeared, it wasn't yet their time to be thrown into the abyss. And remember what happened at the, you know, there in, in the Gadarenes. Oh, 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 you know, Jesus, have you come now to, to destroy us? I mean, it's not our time, is it? You know, why don't you just, you know, deal gently with us and heave us into the ocean. Just throw us into these, this swine herd, you know. The demonic angels don't know either. But the, remarkably, Jesus, the God-man, as man, though he is the eternal Son of God as Christ, as the man, so humbled himself as to limit, in some way, his knowledge. Now, this is the one who was adored as a babe in the manger. He was adored as a babe in the manger because he, 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 he at that moment, is the Lord of all in charge of the cosmos. And yet he here appears as a regular man. I cannot wrap my mind around this, and I've not read any books to help me with this, except to say that God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, Christ, humbled himself to such an extent as to limit his knowledge in the days of his flesh. So if Jesus, my friend, did not know, and God has not revealed it to him, then, my friends, this day is veiled. It's veiled and no one. Because Christ, the head of the church, is the spirit of prophecy. And no one after Christ, not his apostles, nothing will be received from heaven by way of revelation accepted coming from Christ. And since he is not privileged to that information, no one is to be about setting dates. I, I hope I've just saved you, or some of you, some time. You can get sidetracked, and the church has gotten sidetracked in many, many epochs, thinking, well, well this, surely these are the last days. We've seen a comet. Uh, even in Cuba, my grandfather, you know, Haley's Comet, it caused a lot of uh, commotion there in his day. People think, well, that's, uh, the heavens are given for signs and wonders, and people begin to speculate. Jesus has already addressed the speculation. Be careful. Be careful. Don't keep your eye on what's immediately before you and your duties, the faith and trust in Christ. Go about day by day, honoring him. Whatever you do, you do in his name for his glory. Trust and obey. To, you know, uh, making good use of the, of the ordained means of grace. Keep, keep to that. And those are the old, sure, ancient paths. But people who want uh, to uh, solve mysteries uh, that God will not reveal until it is revealed in, in providence are off wasting time. Date setting is fruitless. It's peering into God's secret counsel. It is really forbidden. That which is revealed is for us and our children forever. But that which is not revealed, the secrets belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29 and 29. And so, my friends, the kingdom of God is not a puzzle to be solved. Christ's coming and the whole study of eschatology is not, is not a mind game. It's there for comfort. It's there for warning. Keeping in mind Noah's day. Keeping in mind Jesus' own day. And keeping in mind our day. And to be wise, to make use of that reformed knowledge that Jesus has now given his people, 
and, of, and to avail it, uh, of it as the wise virgins and not to disregard it as the foolish virgins. Now, my friends, there's plenty of mystery regarding Jesus' person as God and man. Now, you can meditate on this. You can think about it. You can, you can spend a lot of time. It's glorious to think about this. It's glorious to think of God. It's your, as our hymns express it, it's, it's our best thought by day and by night. And Jesus, as the God-man, is a wonder. And this is why worship is so easy to give to Jesus, because we don't worship, we cannot worship anything that we understand as if we were superior or we could manipulate as science, modern science loves to do. Jesus is to be gazed at. He's to be, um, he's to be studied reverently. He's not here to be figured out. But you may contemplate him as long as in your, all your contemplation, your knees buckle and bend. Your posture should be always one of worship. God the Father alone knows the time of Christ's return. I don't know. I can say much more about that. The second point is this, that God, the Son, as Jesus, had only partial knowledge concerning his return. I've already mentioned that, alluded to already. Quite a bit of overlap in my Always, always overlap in my sermons. Um, I mentioned this, it's similar to the time of Noah. The time of Noah was a time of great declension of spirituality, great darkness and mounting darkness, a great apostasy. There were two lines that, that were coming out of Abel and Cain, or Cain's uh, successor, Seth, and the other sons of Adam and Eve. There were those that received the promise, and those were the sons of God. There were those who finally repudiated, set aside the promise of the deliverance, the one who would uh, bruise Satan, the serpent's head. They had fallen away. They had forgotten the promise. They had no interest in deliverance. They loved sin and unrighteousness. Uh, their deeds are evil, and they were rather happy in that. But that line that had apostatized, that had fallen away, from the promise, grew larger and larger and larger, so that only Noah and seven others entered the ark, and only Noah found grace, it turns out, uh, at least uh, by the Holy Spirit in chapter 6 of Genesis. But people thought, were thinking, you know, tomorrow, yeah, it'll be much like today. It's sunny. I have no clouds in the sky at all. Tomorrow will be much like today, only more so. Even today, science has basically swallowed hook, line, and sinker the theory and philosophy of gradualism uh, or of continual uh, continuity. Things are bad. We're not, we're not set for any cataclysmic change, as far as they can see. We, we, it looks like no meteors are going to collide. looks like the sun is set for another you know, couple of tens of millions of years or whatever. And so when people think like that, they, of course, they do what normal people do. And uh, what normal people do is they, they propagate the race. Having enough nutrition, having enough health, having youth, uh, having desire for one another, and not corrupted, especially by sin, they propagate. They marry and are given in marriage. Nothing wrong with that at all. What the Spirit is saying here is that they're just going about their regular life. And most people today, if you were to look at them, they're just going about their business. 
They wake up, they have a little bit of a breakfast. They get in their car, they drive to work. They, they work an honest eight hours. They, look, they're, they're not serial killers, they're not cannibals. They're not, most of them, open blasphemers. They're not violent people. Nobody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to stab you in the bathroom stall, guys. I don't know. I may be wrong, but if people go about and everything looks fine. Everything looks fine, as everything appeared to be fine in Noah's day. But the problem is that the human race will not continue this way. And you can't count on the human race being propagated forever and forever. No. This race has its career. That is to say in the Latin, it's run. It has its run. And when it has its, its terminus, it stops. There's an end of this race. The human race has a finish line. And that finish line is the return of Christ. And every work, every thought, every deed that you uh, and, and uh, thought and every word and deed that you've expressed will, will come into the scrutiny of God's inscrutable, infallible knowledge and infinite holiness of perfection and righteousness. And of course, in that word, not one of us will have, can, can retort a, a word in 10,000 to the Lord of his accusations. Not one objection. The only thing we plead is that blood that was shed on our behalf, the blood that covers sin, that blood that, that cleanses sin, that blood that is the payment for the great debt that we owe God by our own life. The blood represents life. And if we don't give life for life, God ex exacts our life for our sin. But Christ is that life that was given on, in our substitute, as our substitute. And that's the gospel that you believe. That's the gospel that John pointed to that, that, would have that would have restored the nation, that would have saved his people had, had they only received that Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The human race will not continue as they, uh, in Noah's day. It, life in Judah was certainly upset by the, uh, the judgment of God upon that nation at the hands of, the, of Titus and the Roman army. And the human race today will be Greatly, greatly surprised, and the church will be visited by God on the last day, and there will be no more propagation in heaven. The human race will not continue in that form ever again. Now, what we're talking about here is that when the Son of, of God comes, this will be a, a, a cosmic, I, I wrote in my notes a global calamity, but no, it's, it's really more of a cosmic calamity. Uh, it'll be a global judgment, and then that result in uh, a separation of the righteous from the unrighteous, just in the days of Noah, and a new heavens and a new earth. Salvation to those who have believed, who have received God's solution to sin. Damnation to those who have perhaps not heard of it or unaware of it, love sin and unrighteousness. We're at home in the world full of violence, uh, full of, of hatred, full of rebellion against God who gives them food and raiment, Shelter, families, no thanksgiving to God. The worship of the creature rather than the creator. The, the vanity of their minds running to idols. Salvation to the faithful, damnation to all who have rejected God's cure. And that's what salvation is. It's not a mild treatment. It's a final solution.
and the new heavens and the earth in Christ. Creation then, in Noah, found rest. And that's what Noah means. Noah means rest. And we already have a rest. If we've entered into Christ, we have already entered into the, the life of eternity in the Holy Spirit. We have already partaken of some of the powers and tasted of some of the powers of the age to come. But that's just, as it were, uh, an initial taste, an appetizer, a, a foretaste uh, I want to say down payment, an earnest, an earnest of the, of the new heavens and the new earth. When Christ comes, he gives us the full, the full payment, the full inheritance, which is, my friends, I, you know, I, know you, I know you want me to say heaven and earth, all things. You're going to heaven. Oh, yes, you're going to heaven, but your inheritance, my friend, your inheritance is the Lord himself. I hope that doesn't disappoint. Jesus is yours. And of course, if you have Jesus, you have everything else. But I want to say, first of all, that Jesus is yours. And that should make your heart leap if you're a Christian. Creation found rest. At the time of Christ's return, it'll be sim similar to the time of Noah. But the immediate separation of the righteous from the unrighteous is the feature of the Noah. The immediate separation of... Uh, of the righteous from the unrighteous was not perfected in Noah. Uh, you see that Ham was cursed later. He, he, he was not of the sons of, of God. Later on, a, another troublesome line emerged from Ham. Neither was Israel purged completely. Israel and the end of the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish dispensation was not the final solution. The final solution is when Jesus returns and all men will find their rest. People then will be planting, they will be harvesting, says our scripture about our age. We're talking about the church age now. People will be assuming that, well, life must go on. We're, we're healthy, we need food. We need work. Uh, uh, we need help, so we're going to take a, a wife. So they marry, and they are given in marriage. Life goes on. People will be doing the regular stuff preparing for life as usual. Then all of a sudden, one is taken and one is left behind. I'm not getting into a lot of diagrams. I just want to say that that is a separation and that separation is final and eternal. And it's absolute and it's perfect because God himself judges. One is going one way and the other is going another way. And we'll leave the scriptures to figure out further on what's meant by that. But here we say, the finality and the suddenness of that event. And here Jesus is certain that no man will know that day until he's already come about. In other words, no one is going to say, hey, grab your sickle, Martha. No, I, you know, look, I, I, we don't really need to. It's going to be a half day, you know, because Jesus is coming right around noon, right? The whole design of Christ's coming is to, is to, to keep... Faith alive, trust alive. And if we know all things, we are less likely to be trusting. We're, our lives, our souls are in his hand. And, and as we have trusted Jesus, we will live, or if we don't trust the Lord Jesus, we, we will die. We will die eternally. So this world will never be the same. 
after Jesus' return. The new heavens and the new earth will, will be purged from all wickedness. The righteous will be established forever. But there is a degree of uncertainty and surprise that is built into this cake that no theologian, despite how many other, uh, uh, how many other advanced degrees he gets, has any warrant to try to crack open. You're stealing from the church. You're stealing the, from the church's dependency. And you're, as it were, droning a note to help the sleepy virgin sleep longer. And that's Matthew 25 coming up in just a couple of weeks. But the great event, the momentous event is scheduled. But even God the Son, as Jesus, only had partial knowledge concerning his return. If he had fuller knowledge, he would give of his abundance of knowledge to his church because he's the head of the church and he has given himself fully to the church, but he doesn't and he won't. And no subsequent apostle, no subsequent prophet, no subsequent pastor teacher has that knowledge either. Save your money, purge your libraries from nonsense and stop buying fiction. The third point of the sermon is this, God the son, Jesus will come at a time when no one is expecting his return. Again, I'm repeating myself, that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> he, he, gives us some, he gives us some indication as the fig tree begins to, 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 to bud out and, and leaf out and all that. Okay, There is a general sense of his expectation. But I think the, the closer meaning here, I want to land you on some sure footing. I would say that he comes suddenly and will surprise. And I, I think that There'll be, there always is a surprise with the Lord. He's a very surprising individual, right? But I think even as the church, uh, he will surprise most of the church. I, even most of the saved will, will, will say, you mean this? You mean, I mean, it's just, it's just Thursday. Yeah, but he came. All right. The illustration, of course, here given in the passage is, is coming of the thief in the night. Uh, and I'll turn, I will turn to, Matthew, to 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's, if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, I'll read verses 1 through 11. It, it won't take that long. <clears throat> Paul speaks to the Christians in Thessalonica, saying, Concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon those as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, uh, for that day to surprise you like a thief. It'll surprise, but not as a thief. See, he's not, Jesus is not coming to take anything from you, except perhaps your flesh, which you're, you're glad to discard anyway, your sinful nature. He's coming to give you things. He's not a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we're looking to that day, let us be sober, having put on a breastplate of faith. See, faith, faith. That's, that's what we need. Continuing trust in God. And love, which is the, well, faith and love is, uh, is the, if you can give an outline as to what the Christian faith is, 
what we are to believe concerning God and what we are to, our duty to God and man. It's faith, believing in all of His promises and love, fulfilling all of His commandments. Faith and love, the whole counsel of God. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, some of us may have fallen to the grave or dead, or our bodies are still united to Christ in the grave and are awaiting the, the, generation, the, 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 the general resurrection. But we are in Christ. And so we're asleep, and, but if we are awake and uh, and the Lord comes in, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be gathered to him, we'll be taken to him. The others will be left behind, whether in the, in the field or in the mill. Uh, we might live with him then. And so therefore encourage one another, build one another, build one another up even as you are doing. The church in Thessalonica, as, as uh, Elder Thomas has preached, was not a, a mature church, it was still a fledgling young Christian church. And yet, Paul knew that these Christians were encouraging one another in a very, very important dimension. In the keeping of faith and love, in the putting on of the hope of salvation, and encouraging every member to that task. I don't even know if there was a minister here yet. I, I don't know. He doesn't address the church as having a messenger or an angel uh, a minister. But the, but, but the Christians are ministering one, one to another in that way. And that is our duty, my friends, uh, as we wake, as we wait and we stay awake, we, as we do in the family, if, if you're on a road trip and your father's driving, you see him, his eyelids getting heavy, you, you stick your elbow in his rib and say, Dad, wake up, or we're all going to perish. If this church gets sleepy and we get off course and we don't have any mind to evangelism, we're getting, we're getting very slack in our prayers. There's hardly any Bible study going on of any depth. We don't know our catechisms. The minister quotes a catechism and people hold him as a scoundrel thinking he's trying to pollute the church with some human tradition. Stay awake. That's what Jesus is saying. Be prepared. And if you're admonishing and encouraging one another to that end, I, I think we have a better chance for that, don't you? I know you pay me to do this. Maybe I should give a stipend to each one of you to do the same. But we need to be encouraging one another and staying awake and keeping faith and love and putting aside differences and forgiving one another. That's love. And going together and growing together as a church. That's love. The spouse of bride and bride of Christ. Adorning her with every gift. Perfecting her in all of her holiness. That's the charter. Presenting a bride pure and spotless at his second coming. And so, my friends, we are to do this, and we are to give diligence to do this. We are to attend every means whereby we are helped by God to keep the church on charter, not as in the days of Noah, not in the, as in the days of the Sadducees and Pharisees, until the day Christ returns. Attend the means of grace. That means coming to church. That means sanctifying the Lord's day. Ask for grace. If you think this is awkward, ask the Holy Spirit to give light to His Word to see if this is indeed the teaching of the Word of God. And if it's not in you to do this, ask the Lord to change your heart. Only He can change you. 
You don't help the Spirit sanctify you. The Spirit helps you in every way to be sanctified. And if He doesn't act, you're not sanctified. And if He doesn't turn you, you're not turned. If God doesn't grant you repentance, you remain unrepentant. And if you continue in unrepentance, I don't know, but you may be in the category of the foolish virgin. I don't know. I don't judge the world. I don't even judge this church. I just lay the word of God before you. We need to stay awake. We need to be encouraging one another. Because why? Because only God the Father knows the very day of Jesus' second coming. Believers are given some general insight into that day. And we are here admonished, as Paul did to the Thessalonians. We, he admonished them, be prepared. I've already spoken to the danger of speculation about Jesus' return. Somebody comes at you with a funny book, diagrams, all sorts of weirdness. Just do them a favor and say, brother, I, you know, I don't have time for this. I... You are to rather attend to the, your duties and trials of every day. Sufficient thereof is the, are, the, are the temptations and the evils of every day. Look to your walk. Walk closely in the Lord. My friends, how often really do you think about the return of Jesus? I, I know you must think a lot about the return of Friday, right? Thank God it's Friday. Yeah, it's Friday. TGIF! Let's have a hamburger. If you're not, I don't, I, do you remember, you guys that are married, do you remember how, how you were so expectant about that wedding day when it was coming? You couldn't wait. Every, every week it, it approached, you were happier. And happier. You, could, you were like in a dream, right? I, I get to marry this woman. And all my friends are coming. It's going to be great. It's super. Ah. This day is going to pale that other day. That day is going to be nothing. Not that you're going to forget it. No, you're always going to remember that, even in heaven. But there's no comparing the love of Christ to his church. And you are his bride. Think about your wedding. Think about your wedding in terms of overwhelmingly passing Judgment Day, because you have already died to sin and living in righteousness by, by the death of Christ. When Christ died on the cross, you died with him by the union of the Holy Spirit. When he rose from the dead, you rose with him victoriously from the dead. And now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So go ahead and confess the remnant of your sin. Put your head in, the, in, in his hangman's noose. Say, yeah, I'm guilty. Hang me if you like, but before you pull that rope, remember, Christ is already dead and I'm dead in him, so you, you can't kill me again, Lord. That's how you sue an argument and vindicate your head against the wrath of God. You're already dead in sins and trespasses in Adam, but you're twice dead in, Adam, in, in Christ because you, you've already been judged and you've already been vindicated by his resurrection. Dream about that. Dream about his, rec his receiving you into his bosom. Dream about the new heavens and the earth, where the earth no longer groans, where there are no more shooting deaths, no more innocents dying of vicious diseases in the hands of their new mothers. Also, don't grow weary in doing good. Ministry's hard. Come to church is difficult. A lot of ordinary Christians in church, 
I've compared the church to a, a messy ark, a lot of messy, messy things and stinking animals. They eat, you know, what they do after they eat, right? Yeah. I to, Noah had to scoop all that out, go up to the top, shovel it out, and heave it out the only window he had up there. Some mess in the ark. But outside, outside of that messy ark, there's only death. There's only bloated bodies, long dead. Noah's day was desperately wicked, much more than any church probably, probably in America today. But Noah found grace, and you can find grace. Because today is the day of salvation. God offers you his son in his gospel. So receive the Lord Jesus, receive grace, enter into the salvation, enter into Christ the ark. If you knew you, that Jesus was coming back tonight at midnight, would you do anything different? Would you, would you change out the, 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 the station that you were last watching there on, on your service provider? What, what, what would you do? Different. Would you spend more time in prayer than ordinary? Well, if that's the case, my friends, then you've got to step up your prayer life. Whatever you need to do to be absolutely peaceful and, and, and clothed in holiness and His arrival, that's what you need to do. And, my friends, there's a whole heap of comfort that you're never going to get from me, from this pulpit, unless you start giving it one to another because you are to be encouraging one another in love just as you first learn how to encourage yourself through the disciplines of prayer, meditation, dreaming about your bridegroom coming, dreaming about righteousness, a world of love. Uh, Jonathan Edwards described heaven as a world of love. Learn to minister to yourself privately, and then you will be apt to minister to your wife and to your children and to your friends and to your church members and to others. But you really miss out on a lot of comfort if you're not doing this <clears throat> for yourself first and encouraging one another. It's something that by design the minister cannot and is not able to do as he is a finite creature and is one, but there are many of you that make that and resolve to do that. Mark it in your calendar for next week. I, I, will, I will go to someone I don't know and encourage them in the Lord and their attendance and in the Lord's near coming. My friends, all this is sure. Yes and amen in Christ. You can believe it to your exuberant joy. The Lord does not want you to partially believe this or to rejoice somewhat. He wants you to rejoice with exceeding gladness. Because he has done all in giving himself to you. And he has avowed his love to you in the sight of angels and men. So rest in that. And it'll be a blessing to your soul eternally and safety as well. Receive the Lord Jesus and be saved. You and your household, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word of admonition. <clears throat> it's a wonder that you teach us all things, Lord, that you have received from the Father, and yet you did not receive anything regarding the day of your appearing, your second coming. But Lord, we look to you because <clears throat> we can follow no other. We pray, Lord, that as we do have some knowledge of your coming, that we might be found faithful in your calling.
Make us, Lord, those that delight to be near, for the nearness of God is all our good. And help us, Lord, in our remaining days in the flesh, uh, that we walk so, so closely with you that they, they resemble the, 